Well, we're back tonight in the Sermon on the Mount, um, Matthew 5. Tonight we're in Matthew 5, verses 17 through 20. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there, Matthew 5, 17 through 20. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one off the shelf, just like last week. Matthew 5, verses 17 through 20. The last thing that we saw last week was, or sorry, two weeks ago, excuse me, was that Christ has called us, his followers, to be salt and to be light. Uh, before I read the verses, the next verses in, in, our, in our passage tonight, I want to make two lists on the board, but I need your help, okay? The first list is things that you know and remember from the Old Testament. Could be anything. What's something you remember from the Old Testament? Michaela. Um, yeah, you say Moses, the living taking the people out of Egypt? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll say Moses and, you know, the Exodus going out of Egypt. Yeah, something from the Old Testament. What else? Adam Eve. Adam Eve. Creation. Yes. Creation. Adam and Eve. Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. The Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel. Elijah and Elisha. Elijah and Elisha. Mosaic law. Mm-hmm. The law. I'm just going to put that in all caps. Yeah, Mosaic law. Yeah. Good. That's a pretty good list. Anything else that you're dying to have on this list? It's Jewish not there. Tradition. What? Jewish tradition. Jewish tradition. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll put that under law for, for now. Yeah. Good. That's one list. I want to come over here and make another list. And I want to make a list of things that good Christians should do. Okay. Separate list. But things that... If you're a good Christian, you should do this. Repent. Repent. What else? Be like Commune with God. Definitely. Commune with God, okay. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, love your neighbor. Go to church. Yeah, go to church. generous and selfless with what we have. Okay. Generous and selfless. What else? What should it, what do you think should, a good Christian should do every day, right? That's something we're taught. What are you supposed to do? Pray and read the Bible, right? Every day. That's what good Christians do. Yeah. Pray. And read the Bible. Okay. So just some lists. They're just going to hang out here, but we will come back to them tonight. Okay. So hopefully now you're at Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Hopefully I gave you enough time. So would you stand up as I read God's word, just out of respect for it being God's word given to us. This is what it says, Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is God's living and active word. Let's pray. 
Father, would you help us to understand the great comfort and love that you have shown us in Christ? Through his words tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can be seated. As we look at this passage, four small verses, but difficult verses, we're going to look at three things. The law, the list, and the Lord. The law, the list, the Lord. So, first, the law. Because to understand what this passage means to us, we first need to understand what it meant to the people Jesus was originally talking to, right? Sounds like a good thing. So, look at me with a ver- at verse 17. Look what verse 17 says. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus says he didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. Now, what does abolish mean? Anybody know? What would you say abolish means? Get rid of. Get rid of. Yeah. What do you think of when you think of abolish? From history. Oh. Abolishing slavery, right? Getting rid of it, doing away with it, making sure it's, it's gone, right? And Jesus says, I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets. Now, the law and the prophets are shorthand for the entire whole Old Testament, right? So all that on the list and more, the Old Testament, Jesus says, I've not come to get rid of it, right? Now, one thing we need to know about the Old Testament is that there's a driving question in the Old Testament, which is how can I be right with God or how can we be right with God? Going all the way back, he creates heaven and earth. But then in Genesis 3, sin enters, right? Through Adam and Eve and their sin. And ever since Genesis 3, there's an ongoing question. How are we going to be right with God? How are we going to be right with God? How is it going to happen? There's Noah's Ark, right? Where he, everybody is doing wicked things, but he preserves the righteous people. There's the Tower of Babel, right? Where languages are mixed up because they're not obedient to God. There's... Uh, there's the exodus when the people fall into, into slavery in Egypt and then the Lord delivers them, right? There's all of these things. There's the Mosaic law of, hey, here's how you can live with the holy God in your midst, right? All of these things are asking the same question. How can we be right with God? How can we, we, we be right with God? How can we be right with God? And so Jesus is saying that problem is not going away, right? I'm not abolishing that. I'm not getting rid of that. But part of it is when you hear about the Old Testament, whether you were living now or you were a Jew in Jesus' day, is you would think about the law. You would think about the law. You would think about the things that you had to do, the things you had to do in order to be able to be with God and be right with God. And Jesus says, I have not come to destroy them. Now, if that would be a little disappointing because it's a hard thing to do, look at verse 18. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So the law is not going to pass away until he says all is accomplished. But then he says not one iota and not one dot. So to understand what he means, the iota refers to probably the the Hebrew letter yod, right? It looks like a very tiny little comma. I I have one written up here for you. That is what he's referring to. Imagine in the entire Old Testament, one little letter. He says, not one of those is going away. And then when it says, not one dot, he's referring to the stroke of a pen that makes this different from this. You see those, that difference? Minimal, right? He's saying, not even one of those is going away until all is accomplished. Not even the smallest part. Not even the smallest part is going away. So what does that mean for, the, for God's people then? Well, look at verse 19. Jesus continues. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So you can't relax, you can't disobey even the smallest of the laws, right? 
There's no little white lie. There's no little getting out of that. If you do, you're going to be least in the kingdom of heaven. And, and what it means to be great in the kingdom of heaven is, as he says, to teach, to obey all the law and to teach others to do the same. Now, if that's not a burden already, look at verse 20. Look how he finishes it out. He says this, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, when we hear Pharisees, we have all sorts of things that we've heard over time. But remember, we're trying to remember what the people that Jesus was originally talking to would hear. And what they would hear is, when you said scribe or Pharisee, they would think about the most righteous people they knew, the most holy people they know, the people whose job it is to obey every single little law that there is, the people who know all the laws so they can obey them. Jesus is saying, hey, unless you're more righteous than the most righteous people you know, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me give an example of how crazy the, the Pharisees were, okay? Uh, they had all sorts of laws. They made the, hundreds and hundreds of laws. Here, here's one of them. On, sun, on the Jewish Sabbath, on their Saturday, you could only write one word. Because if you wrote more than one word, that would be considered work. Now imagine trying to write a paper, right? <laughs> There's no way you're going to be able to do it. But the law was you could only write, the law that they had made was you could only write one word. And there was only a certain distance that you could walk. And remember, you walked everywhere right? Their idea was, we need to have all of these fences so that we can make sure we're obeying the law. And they would do all of this stuff. So if you're living next to them and somebody says, hey, you need to be more righteous than them, you'd be like, that's impossible. How am I going to do that, right? So Jesus says in this chapter, in in these verses, I came not to abolish the law. Now we need the law to be right with God because that's the big question of the Old Testament. And at the same time, when he says that, does your heart probably sink? a little bit. You see, like, how is that possible, right? How can, people he was talking to would have said, how can my righteousness exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees? So that's the law. Second, I want to talk about the list. Because even if we living now look at the law as something old and something in the Old Testament, we all have lists. Is anybody here a list maker? I'm a list maker. I know Amy is a list maker. Yes, yeah, yeah. What, you make lists for all sorts of reasons, right? You make a to-do list, you make a chores list, you make a school list. You know, you try to get all those things done, right? And, and, and those are, are the good lists, but I'm talking about the bigger lists that we have in our lives. The bigger lists, right? If I do these things, my life will be okay. If I do these things, my life will have value. If I do these things, I'll be right with God. We all have lists, whether we write them down on paper or not. We have lists like that. Now, We've made a list of things that good Christians should do. But let me be honest with you. This list can easily turn into, I have to do these things to be right with God. This list can turn into the law. If I don't pray, if I don't read the Bible, if I don't go to church, then God doesn't love me. If I don't do these things, right, then that can't be right with God, right? There's a burden to that list oftentimes, even people that aren't Christians, even your non-Christian friends, even non-Christians here, all of us have lists on what it means to live a good life, to be right with God or be right with the world, you might say. Everybody's got lists. But here's the problem. No matter what our lists are, even if we make them ourselves, we can't keep them. We can't. We can't do all the things even though we know they're the right thing to do. Even though we know things are good and will have good effects, we can't do all of the things. We can't keep our lists. We can't make ourselves right with God. We can't fulfill our own lists, let alone God's 
law. And if the bar for God's law is not relaxing even the smallest of the commandments and being more righteous than the most righteous people you know, think about that. Who is the most righteous person you know? Just think about that. Don't have to name names, just think. And think about, you have to be more righteous than them to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's crazy. Think about our game tonight, right? There's a reason why we did what we did. We had this list, and we had to try to find people who fit into the list. Now, not everybody found somebody for each of the items, right? There were some that were left hanging. And some people fulfilled some of the items, and some people didn't do the other, right? That's the same thing. We can't fulfill the list. We can't do it all. I'm reminded, actually, of a song called Holy Pretenders by a guy named Rich Mullins. And this is what he says in the song. He says, saints are sinners. No one knows who's who. Everybody's got secrets to keep. Holy pretenders trying to fill God's shoes when they haven't got the right-sized feet. Let me say that last line again. Holy pretenders trying to fill God's shoes when they haven't got the right-sized feet. Somebody feel like that's you? And here's the problem. The people who are the most on the inside of Christianity are the most at risk to try to keep the list, to try to keep the law. Because you know these are good things. And it's easy to take these good things and say, I'm a good person by doing them, and therefore God should love me because I do them, right? The people who are on the inside are the most at risk for this sort of thing. The people who have heard about God and know the right answers and know the right things to do. This was my story, right? I knew the list, and I said, if I just do these things, life should be good, and God should love me. But time and time again, I realized I can't keep the list. I can't do these things. I don't always love my neighbor. I don't always commune with God. I don't always repent. I don't always pray. I don't always read the Bible, right? So what happens? We're left with this unbearable burden, if that's what we think it means to be right with God. So that's the law. That's the list. But lastly, I want to talk about the Lord. Look back with me at verse 17. This is what Jesus says. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus came not to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill it. Now, if we know what abolish means, what does fulfill mean? What do you guys think? To achieve. Yeah. What else? To bring to pass, to complete, complete. yeah. What something points to, the fullness of something. Like if you say somebody fulfills their potential, it's like you saw all these things going on and now they've all been realized because of this, right? Going back to our game tonight, we look at that list and we said, nobody in that room fulfills the list. None of us can do it. But what if I told you there was somebody who fulfilled everything on that list? That's actually a list of things that Parker has done. Believe it or not, okay? You can ask him about it later. But think about this. This is the same thing that Jesus is saying. You can't fulfill the list. You can't do the law, right? But there is somebody who can. And that's Jesus. He is the one who came to fulfill the law. Not to abolish it, not to destroy it, but to complete it. To fulfill it. If it's fulfilled, as Jesus says, in him, then everything points to him. And what good news is that when it comes to our list, right? How to be right with God? It's not about us doing these things. It's about looking to Christ. It's good news. Because we know we can't keep the law. We know we can't keep our list. But yet we know Christ came and did. You see, Christ lived a perfectly righteous life. 
for us. He never sinned. He never did what was wrong. His righteousness exceeded that of the scribes and the Pharisees. More righteous than the most righteous person you know. But what happened to him? What did all that righteousness get him? He actually went to his own death. And he did that for us. He took on the punishment for our brokenness, our law-breaking, our sin. He became a curse for us. Because the Bible says, Cursed is anybody who does not abide by the words of the law. And Christ then became a curse for us to set us free. We heard it this morning. The demands were set aside, the legal demands, and were nailed to the cross. We heard that in Colossians this morning. And so now, we live to God. And for God and through God, we actually have new life, just as Christ rose from the dead and had new life all of his own. We don't have to be perfectly right with God in the sense of we don't have to keep all our lists. We don't have to keep the law. Rather, we just have to have faith in Christ. I want you to think about the things on this list. Moses and the Exodus, creation, Adam and Eve, Noah's Ark, the Tower of Babel, Elijah and Elisha, and the law. Jesus is saying all of these things and more all point to me. The way to understand them is to look at me. The way to understand the burden of the law is to look at what I have done so that you might be unburdened. And here's the funny thing that happens. When we see that, when we begin to see God's great love for us in sending his son, Jesus Christ, when we begin to understand the love God has for us, we actually want to do the things God loves. Not because we feel like we have to make him love us, but because he already loves us. Going back to that song, A Holy Pretenders, Rich Mullins continues to sing, and at one point he says, I know I'm one of us too, calling himself a holy pretender. But then at the end, he prays to God and he says, All of us holy pretenders, we could never fill your shoes. Help us, though, to follow in your footsteps. And that's the idea of the Christian life, recognizing that we could never fill God's shoes, and we don't have to, but rather we have faith in Christ to see what he's done for us and follow in his footsteps in obedience to him and in faith. Christ is the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets, the entire Old Testament. And in him, God shows you the great love he has for you. So put down the list. Put down the law-keeping. Let go of these things and instead hold on to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for the gift of the way that you showed your love to us. Lord, thank you for this gift. Lord, would you help us to understand what it means for us, that you already love us, and so that we can live out of that love, not in seeking it and searching for it day after day after day. Help us to understand that Christ came for us because of your love for us. Would help us to understand what it means that he came to fulfill the entire Old Testament. Thank you for that gift of his words that we can read. And Lord, by your spirit, would you help us to ponder these things? Would you help us to change the way we live? Lord, you help us to know that your love for us is before the foundation of the world. And you plan to send Christ for us. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for that gift. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.